ready to grow your business by building relationships online and offline? Are you looking for a system to attract new prospects and nurture your past clients? Maybe you're a business owner, a sales professional, or an entrepreneur. If you are, then great. Join me, Janice Porter, as we blast past your barriers to success and explore the power of relationships for your business. And welcome to the Relationships Rule Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Relationships Rule. My special guest this week is Stephanie Novinskus, coming to us from San Diego, California. And I'm very excited to talk to Stephanie because we actually met on LinkedIn. And I love that because um, that's where I live a lot of the time. And I love that I can start relationships with people that I meet online. And Stephanie, Stephanie and I had a conversation and I really felt that she had a lot to offer my audience and uh, wanted to have her on my podcast. So welcome to the show, Stephanie. I'm glad to have you here. Thank you so much, Janice. You're very welcome. Now, <clears throat> I wanted to dive right in to the fact that um, I know that you're a, um, a certified story brand, certified guide. And I know a little bit about it, but not a, not a whole lot. Um, I, I have interviewed a friend of mine who um, is also a certified guy. And this was like a year or so ago and um, got a little bit of a taste of it. But I think that what I love about it, and maybe you don't do this with all of your clients. I don't know. You can let me know. But um, what I love about it is that you work with clients to build their story that then attracts the right people that they want to build relationships with and do work with because it works both ways, right? I, the client has to find the right person to um, work with, but the person doing that work has to feel good about the relationship too, or else it's not authentic. So can you tell me a little bit about how you use StoryBrand and, and what the, the basics of it are? Yeah, absolutely. So StoryBrand is something created by Donald Miller. He's written a lot of books. He's spoken on a lot of stages. But in essence, the StoryBrand framework is a seven-part process. There is a character who has a problem. And this is the case in every story that you watch, listen to, uh, you know, whether you're watching a stage production or you're watching a movie or you're listening to something on the radio or whatever it is, right? There's always a character who has a problem. And this problem is preventing them from reaching some type of goal that they have, right? Along the way, when they're taking their journey throughout life and business, they meet a guide of some kind. And this guide really resonates with them because they feel understood by the guide, okay? The guide provides that character a plan and then calls them to take action because it's one thing to have a plan of how to get unstuck. It's another thing to know the plan and then do something about it, right? So the guide then calls them to action and as a result, this character is able to avoid a lot of failures and experience tremendous success, right? And that's the happily ever after story, right? So every brand has a story and every brand can have, can utilize the seven part story brand framework to build relationships, right? And to create community and 
and to get people attracted to doing business with them by using the framework. And, and I think one of the biggest reasons why it works so well for this is because, um, because StoryBrand is so good at making the viewer of the material feel understood, mm -hmm. right? They don't feel judged. They don't feel condemned. They don't feel uh, less than in any way. They feel like, oh, my problem. I'm not the only person in the world that has this problem. Other people have this problem. And oh my goodness, this guide gets it, doesn't judge me and actually has a solution for me. Mm -hmm. I'm all in. Let's hear more. Mm, right. So when you work with um, clients, whether you use this, this uh, model um, every time or not, it, it doesn't, excuse me, it doesn't really matter. But um but in a way it does because um, they, uh, what am I trying to say? Um, that when you see the problem that your client comes to you with, and do you automatically see um, a method or does it take drawing out of the client how um, the problems so that or the, their clients, their potential clients' problems, so that you can build that story in the campaign? Yeah, a lot of times people, when they come to a call with me, they think they know what the problem is, but then they tell me the problem, and I'm like, that's not really the problem, you know? And so we do, I have to, I have to put on my investigative reporter hat uh -huh. and ask a lot of questions to get to what the real problem is for their customers, right? Um, and getting to how that problem impacts them on a daily basis, right? Like there's one thing they're gonna say externally to the world, right? They might, you know, like, let's say that that my problem was that um, I don't like to do taxes and it's tax season, okay? And let's say that this particular company was uh, an accounting firm, okay? So I might say, well, the problem is they need their taxes done, right? Well, yes, they do. But the bigger problem is they're actually worried that the IRS is going to audit them or they're actually concerned that they've overpaid or that they're underpaying or that they're not taking advantage of um, all the deductions they could be taking care of, right? So there's a lot, you know, the... At first glance, it's like, well, the problem is they need someone to do their taxes. Yeah. Well, yes, but <laughs> that's my answer to that. Yeah, no, that makes sense. That makes total sense. Um, so how do you make somebody absolutely unforgettable? How do you make their company absolutely unforgettable? Yeah, I think one of the things that really separates brands in today's marketplace is the brands that have the courage to be really authentic and to show up in an authentic way, right? And this is another thing that, you know, going back to what you specialize in in developing relationships, right? I mean, the best relationships are always gonna be based on trust and authenticity, yeah. right? And um, so one of the things that, um, that a brand does when it's trying to build this absolutely unforgettable status is, setting itself apart by not being another phone tree, by not being another, um, oh, dial this number and talk to, you know, 800 robots before you get to a human, yeah. right? Or go on this website and 
have a bunch of bots responding to you instead of an actual human at a help desk that can serve you, right? Mm -hmm. Those are just a couple of examples there, but um, it is, you, you become absolutely unforgettable, first of all, by showing up in a way where it, you make transactions human to human, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, instead of human to robot or machine or whatever it is, um, it is human to human. And that's something that has really been lost in today's automated world, oh, right? Yes, I totally agree because part of my business is around sending cards in the mail and um, to me, that's a way to um, disrupt the marketplace too and, and do something that's tangible that people pay attention to. It's doing it in, and it's, I'm doing it in a real uh, live situation. It's not just an email um, thank you card or whatever. So yeah, um, so I get it. So I'm curious, um, you have on your list of companies that you did a, a campaign for, the NFL. What did you do for the NFL? So I actually worked with the NFL many, many, many moons ago when the Super Bowl came to San Diego uh-huh. and uh, they do something the day before, I think it was the day before the Super Bowl or possibly a few days before the Super Bowl is a long time ago. I don't remember exactly, um, but they do something called the NFL experience. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, the kids, and- right? Where they, is, is it where they can go through and try throwing the ball and yeah yeah it's a really really enjoyable experience for the community and I did a bunch of the promotions for that in coordination with a lot of um you know some of the big big name media in San Diego at that time so I know that you I think originally thought you were going into broadcasting or um uh, journalism broadcasting how did how did you left turn into marketing and branding yeah, it's kind of a funny story. I, I, I was studying to go into broadcast journalism until a very, very mean professor <laughs> told me one day that my voice was too squeaky. And he said, you won't make it. Your voice is too squeaky. Oh and, God. you know, being a 21-year-old, very impressionable young lady, yeah. I was like, oh, no, professor says I won't make it. Okay, dream's over, right? And um, you know, at, at first glance, that sounds like a really sad story, right? But it's not because what it did was it made me realize, okay, well, if I'm not going to pursue that, what else would I want to pursue? And at the core of everything that I do, I'm a writer, right? I love to write. I love to tell stories. And really, again, bringing it back to you, stories that build relationships, mm-hmm. Right. And I realized that I could do that in different ways. So I put my emphasis on editorial. And then uh, right after graduating, the first job offer I got was working in the advertising department for a local newspaper, which, you know, now sounds like the dinosaur age, but back then was actually very cool. Yeah, (laughs) of course. And uh, started writing copy for different companies that were trying to create relationships with potential customers. And one thing led to another. And here we are 27 years later. Right. That's that's quite cool, actually, because you're still able to write. And you and I know you I read an article, just a short article that you did for I think it was Forbes. And that it's struck my attention because it was about networking and it was about your infomercial and everybody's um, always got um, 
ways you can do your infomercial and this is the best way to do it. And that's the best way to do it. And they're mostly boring and they are mostly boring. And, um, and I was teach, I taught networking skills for a long time as well to, um, local, you know, um, chamber of commerce, uh, businesses and things like that. And I remember doing things like that. And, and I'm full confession, as much as I know how you're, how to, make your infomercial more interesting. I go to this weekly networking group and I don't do that because I don't take the time um, mm-hmm. to do it um, every for every week. And I, I, I know I should, and I know there's no shoulds either, but I, I need to make a better effort. And one of the things I loved was you talked about it in terms of telling a story and sort of shocking people at the beginning and into that either the negative you know, problem piece, or I think you said at the end, you can also make it humorous as well. Um, so how do you, um, I, I know it's a bit of a shift, but it's kind of a fun thing because, you know, um, are you able, do you ever teach people that? And do you do it quickly? Because I think it comes off your tongue pretty quickly. <laughs> I do. I, I work with people on, um, pitches often and these could be pitches you know in investor decks these could be pitches to potential partners it could be a pitch to the board it could be you know so or it could be a pitch at a local networking group right so definitely um i i do write those for a lot of our clients and um and the key to making your pitch not snooze worthy, as I call it, because I mean, how many times do you go to these events and you hear somebody's pitch and you're just like, okay, well, I just figured out what I'm going to put on my grocery list for this weekend. And I just remembered, I forgot to put the laundry in the dryer, you know, and you're thinking about everything other than what the person is actually saying. Yeah. And and the key is um, really having that beginning that, you know, in journalism, we call it the hook. The hook, yeah. I was just going to say, it's the hook, yeah. So having that hook in the beginning of um, any, you know, whether you call it your commercial, your info commercial, your 30-second pitch, whatever it is, all of them, you have to have a hook and you have to have a really clear call to action. And And this ties into the story brand thing too, right? Because the story brand model the hook is the first couple of sentences they're going to read when they go to your website, right? Right. So it, it, it ties in at every layer. Yes. And, and I actually, when I'm teaching people how to do LinkedIn and how to create their optimized profile, I talk about the hook in the about section and that it's important that you only have four um Uh, four lines before the see more button. And so you have to make them want to be compelled to press that see more button by posing a question or, or saying something outrageous or whatever, or something about yourself that makes them um, want to know more about you. Well, and that also goes just even with posting on LinkedIn, right? I mean, the algorithm right now, of course, it's always changing, but the algorithm right now is rewarding the posts that incentivize people to click the see more button just on a daily post. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So exactly. You want your hook at the beginning of every post in your about section, all of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, but that's a challenge for a lot of people. It really is. It's like one more thing we have to think about. And we're, if we're not natural writers, you know, like, like, yeah. 
So it, yeah, it's um it's interesting. So what would you say um your most um interesting client or the or the one you're most the 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 brand that you put together that you're most proud of? What is something that you can share with us there? Gosh, I have had the privilege of working on so many fascinating campaigns. Um, well, I'll tell you about one that just makes me giggle. Okay, that's good. Okay, so this is, um, I have the owner of a series of, um, they own a, a pet store chain. And um, the CEO of this company said, I'm creating a new product and it's going to be rather controversial. And so I need some copy that's going to push the boundaries with people, right? Not be, not be meek, not be afraid to just, you know, get down and dirty and say what needs to be said. And I was like, what exactly is that? <laughs> um, well, come to find out it's freeze dried dog treats which is pretty normal. I mean, dogs in the wild, they eat other wild animals, right? So this is a normal thing in the pet industry, right? At a pet store for them to sell, you know, whatever it is, whatever freeze-dried treat it was. But the way that she was packaging it, she her stores are all based in the Carolinas and she called it Carolina Roadkill. <laughs> and, um, and the idea was to appeal to people who weren't offended by that. Right. Um, and somebody who wanted to feed their dog, a free oh. duck head, oh, gosh, where you can still see the eyeballs, which is so gross. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and she knew it was gross and she yeah. knew it was pushing the envelope on what some people would find appealing or not, but she also knew there was a market out there that would think this was hilarious and be all into it, right? Oh, and her niche market, right? Her niche market. Yes. And so she was like, so could you write some packaging for us? And I was like, oh, I am so into this. <laughs> I, am, I am so in anything that requires me to push the envelope, you got my number, right? Um, and so I'll tell you on this, I'm, I'm looking at the yeah. package right now. Um, and it says on the side of the package, uh, everything inside this box is wrong in all the right ways, of course. <laughs> and then on the back of it, um, I wrote, it's magnificently morbid. It's politically incorrect and it's deceptively delicious. Sickly satisfying this box of tasty treats includes the body parts dogs love to devour. And then I go on and on and on, and I won't say too much more, but you know, a project like this, these are fun. Yes. Right? This is more than the average. <laughs> you should buy this because of this reason and whatnot. You know, yeah. we got to, we got to have a lot of fun and, and, uh, we, uh, we have on the front of the packaging also uh, making dogs' dreams come true one body part at a time. So, <laughs> so there you go. Yeah, that's fun. That's totally fun, but not appealing to me at all. <laughs> right, right. So you're not the target market, right? Exactly. But there's, there's a whole bunch of military people out there that, you know, and people that, that hunt and, yes. and that, they live a different life than some of us do, right? And yeah. for them, they were they were all over it. So <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
Yeah, very interesting. Um, now I forgot what I was going to say. Um, I had a question in my head and now it's gone from my head. Oh, I know what it was. Okay, so uh, small business owners like myself and like a lot of my audience, um, I've been told, uh, I, I'm, I'm sure they'd be interested in this because I, I come across people in this situation um, through my work that I do. And the question is around branding yourself versus having a company name. And I'd like to know your thoughts on that because I was always told I should brand myself, but maybe now I'm, I'm working with a sales guy who um, coach who's telling me that I should come up with a new name for my company. So I'm like, okay, so where am I here? Well, I think that um, I, I think that there can be cases made for both ways of doing it, right? Um, you know, we all know brands like Tony Robbins. Yep. Okay, that's his name, and everybody knows it, right? Yeah. Um, I think the challenge, if you're not Tony Robbins and you're not going to be building a ginormous empire like that, the challenge comes when you think about what your long-term goal is for the company, right? So at some point, you're not going to want to work anymore, right? And at that point, your company can die with you yeah. or your company can be acquired by another company, yeah. right? And it's pretty rare for another company to want to acquire somebody's first and last name. Of course. Unless yeah. they've established it like Tony Robbins, right? Yes. So I think that's where it becomes problematic is that um, really, you know, if, if, if you have a long-term vision to sell, mm -hmm. then make it sellable from the very beginning. Yeah, right? that makes sense. Yeah. So if not, if that's not your goal, if you're just running the, you know, the, um, you want it to be established under your own name with no goal of selling a business after i know that seems strange but you know um it's possible then why not right but yeah, then yeah. if you're just running a lifestyle business yeah. and you know you're doing what you're doing because it brings you joy and it pays your bills and and that's where it ends then you know what more power to you that's what you want yeah. and in that case by all means if you would like to brand it with your first and last name go for it i could never do that because nobody can say my last name except for you, Janice. So <laughs> that's funny. Um, so I'm curious as a mom, I'm going to switch gears a little bit because I know you have three children, teenagers, I think, mm -hmm. and one going into college, right? Or two. In I have two in college right now. So being a writer, First and foremost, did you help your kids with their writing projects in school or did you teach them because they weren't getting taught enough at school? You know, that old age old, the parent, when you parent too much or you don't parent enough and that being your forte, where did yeah. you get there? Yeah, so we actually uh, did a mix of traditional school and homeschooling. Oh, okay. Um, so my kids' education was uh, a mixed bag, let's put it that way. Uh, well, you know, when they were little, I, I didn't really get involved. When they were older, um, when, you know, when they were in high school and whatnot, 
Uh, honestly, let's just say I was not impressed. Right? <laughs> I, I, I was not impressed. And yet I can hear the way that my children talk about things that they're passionate about and they, their thoughts are deep. Their feelings are deep. Their insights are deep, right? And, but it wasn't coming out in the way that they were writing. So I got really serious about helping my children learn how to become better writers when they were actually working on their college essays. Mm. And um, with, with one of my boys in particular, because he's one of the most passionate people I've ever met, and he is so incredibly intelligent, right? But articulating all of these great thoughts into words was challenging. Yeah. And, um, and so we worked a lot on his essays and I was like, how do you feel about that? What's really happening inside? No, no, no. I don't want the 30,000 foot view. Like talk to me, like, talk to me, like, I really want to know what you're talking about. And it, it was a really neat process actually walking through that with them. That's, and, and you, I always feel that we need to do that with our children, no matter what, because we have that knowledge and we want it to come out of them. So that's, that's really special. I like that. Yeah. But timing is everything, right? It has to be the right time for, for yeah. both. Well, and they, they also have to be willing to listen. Exactly. That's <laughs> oh. why timing is so important. That's right. Exactly. So I appreciate you sharing that. Um, so if someone's looking for um, an opportunity to rebrand themselves or start a new you know, company with their branding, what are the things they should look for when they're looking to work with someone or a company? Yeah, I think that it's, it's really important to, before you put any money into tactical implementation, to build a strategy. Okay. This is the number one mistake I see the small business owners make is they decide they're going to have a business and they're like, great, I need a website. I need to get on Facebook. I need to get on Instagram. I need to get on TikTok, whatever it's going to be. Right. Um, and I'm just going to go out and do it. Right. Mm -hmm. They have no strategy. Right. What that usually ends up resulting in is them spending a lot of money or a lot of time or both. Yeah only to end up with something that does not clearly communicate the value they bring to the table and give people that are looking at it a reason to actually say, yes, you're who I want to give my money to. So then they end up having to redo all of it and invest even more money and more time in it. And it's this vicious cycle that goes around and around and around. All of it can be avoided if you take it, it, I know the tactical stuff is, that's the sexy stuff. That's the exciting stuff. That's the stuff that you're like, oh, I can't wait to get my website up. Right. Yeah. Um, but my best advice is just put it on a shelf for a little bit. Okay. You can keep that pretty present on a shelf. You can admire it every day. Right. But work on your strategy first, get very, very clear on exactly who you are serving, exactly what makes them tick, exactly what might hold them back from buying, exactly why your product is better than the other alternatives on the marketplace, how you're, how you're different. Sometimes it's better. Sometimes it's just how you're different, right? Mm -hmm. and, and getting really clear on these strategic things, as well as how you're going to show up and where you're going to show up. 
right? Just because everybody else is on TikTok, it doesn't mean you need to be on TikTok, right? Maybe you do, right? Mm -hmm. But that, you know, that is different for every company, right? And so figuring out your differentiators, really uh, dialing in your customer avatar, really dialing in what your brand tone and voice is going to be. I, you know, are you going to show up in the marketplace as real buttoned up and professional, or are you going to show up as the casual, approachable um, company that uses slang and emojis in their branding, right? right. It, you know, it's a different way to show up. Are you going to show up like Carolina Roadkill, right? Are you going to take risks like this company oh, that yeah, I right, right. talked about earlier? Yeah. Uh, are you going to take risks and be a little you know, a little polarizing in what you're doing, Mm -hmm. or are you going to play it safe? Mm -hmm. Um, One thing I would caution people to is playing it safe, never made a brand absolutely unforgettable. Yeah. So if you truly want to build an absolutely unforgettable brand, safety is not the road to take. You got to be willing to take some risks. Yeah. That's great advice all around. Uh, when I think of some of the iconic brands and their taglines, for example, when I see one that just it's like brilliant and I'm like, who thinks of these? Like, it's so perfect. And, and is that something that you love to do? Oh my gosh. It's like one of my favorites. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's one of my favorite things is to come up with taglines. So we, we name a lot of companies. We come up with a lot of taglines, you know, all of those uh, quippy statements, you know, the um, yes, it's so much fun to me. It's a game, right? It's a game of, Hmm. The challenge is a flooded marketplace that's bored and busy and they don't have a lot of room in their brain for any more information so what can I write that's going to get them to pay attention Mm -hmm. distracted by 20,000 other things and most of it is just noise what can I do to stand out and uh it's a big (coughs) challenge and it's a lot of fun when you when you overcome it so but when you're creative and you have such a creative mind that's fantastic see that's not my thing but there you go that's why there's apples and oranges and that's why I pay attention and I think you know when I see those things I think wow you know I'm impressed with what that person has or what that company has has created um one of the things that I like to do um, with my guests is ask them my favorite question and it's a two-parter and I would like to ask you this question um, based on my favorite word is curiosity mm-hmm. and uh, I would like to know do you think that curiosity is innate or learned and part two is what are you most curious about now mm, great question I love it you sound like a journalist. <laughs> so um, I think curiosity is both. I think it's innate and learned, okay. right? I think you. I, I think we're all born curious. That's the only way we learn, right? Like, how are they doing that thing called talking? Oh, they're <laughs> opening their mouth and noise comes out, right? Yes. Um, but I think that um, 
practicing the art of being curious is a learned skill, right? And it's something that's vital in building relationships because when you are curious specifically about the person you're talking with, it makes them feel loved. It makes them feel valued. It makes them feel like, you know, you're interested in them, right? Which of course is going to make somebody be like, oh, I'd like to hang out with them more. I'd like to have a relationship with them. Yeah, yeah, I definitely think it's... um, it, it is an art of, of practicing the art of expressing curiosity and having it be uh, a genuine curiosity, right? A, a genuine curiosity where you really do want to understand people and their thoughts better. Um, what I'm really curious about right now, I'm curious about so many things. I think I would say I'm very curious about how the world is going to move forward after all we've been through in the last couple of years. And I'm very curious to, to see how we quote unquote bounce back, or if we bounce back, or if we just reinvent something that's never been, which is kind of where my mind is thinking we might go. I kind of feel that way too. I, I did, um, um, uh, LinkedIn messaging campaign to my existing client, uh, my existing connections to do some um, reconnections and, you know, um, start to um, build a relationship. I mean, so many people I'm connected to, I don't really know um, for some reason. So I want to make that happen. And one of the things I started to say was, you know, like, how, um, how are you doing? Um, it's been so crazy for the last three years you know, how are you bouncing back uh, to the quote new normal? I don't think we're going back. I think that it's never going to be the same. I just notice it with myself and more, more so with my sister who just, she lives in California and she hasn't really left the house for three years. It's ridiculous. And she's finally just gone on a five-day road trip with her husband to a, a place up North to get away and see a new scenery. She was paranoid about going outside so you'll never go back to what it was in that instance some people um what did i oh i saw you know the the um the newsreels around uh the the queen's funeral and all those people in the streets it's like did they not remember we just had covid for umpteen years so to me, they, it's like one extreme or the other. There's people will really definitely shift and move to a different normal. And then there's those who think nothing's, nothing's going to change, but um, yeah, I really feel like it's changed. I think it's changed humans, you know, like really at our core. I do too. I really do. Like I don't, I'm a people person and yet I'm not entertaining yet. I'm still not, you know, seeing as many people as, some others I know are, I just can't be in big, we were at a wedding, uh, but it was outside. Thank goodness for me because yeah. So. Yeah. I'm very curious to see how this is going to play out over, you know, over the next few years, but I'm also curious to know, you know, with, with having three teenagers and, and they got the brunt of, of all of this in the formative years. Right. Um, How's this going to impact that generation 
Oh, absolutely. I see long-term. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I see my little granddaughter, she's three. So for the first three years of her life, she was really not with anybody except the family. And now she's in play school and she's having trouble socializing. Of course she's happy playing by herself. So her social behavior is behind. Yeah. And yet she's really bright, but she's quite happy to be by herself playing. So it's, it's, and it's become, it's a little bit of an issue because she's willful, wants to do what she wants to do, but it's really interesting um, because yes, I don't think you'll ever go back the same way. So yeah, I I can see being curious about that. Absolutely. Um, Are you a reader? or a listener or a video person? What do you do mostly? Hmm. I, I do a little bit of all three. Okay. I, I tend to read in short bites as opposed to long novels. Yeah. Right. But right now there is a book that has my attention um, actually by Marie Forleo called okay. Everything's Outable. Yeah. Everything's what is it? Everything, Everything is figure outable. Yeah. I haven't read it, but I hear it's really good. Yeah. That's got, it's got my attention. It's, it's back there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's good. She's good. And uh, I have heard her being interviewed about the book um, by uh, Lewis Howes, who's one of my favorite podcasts to listen to. So yeah. Um, well, this has been delightful. I know I bounce over all over the place, but I go where my heart's telling me to go. And I think that I uh, definitely understand um, that you are an expert in your field and a professional in your field. And um, and I, I would definitely recommend people take a look at your work if they're interested in um, doing a rebrand or branding their new business or whatever. And um, where will they find you if they want to do that? Yeah, well, first of all, thank you for that. Um, you can find more information about us at sizzleforce.com. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I think there's a contact page where they can um, book a time to talk to you as well, right? Absolutely, yeah. I usually encourage people, if you're trying to figure out, there's a million things you could do to market your business. If you're trying to figure out what you actually should do, as opposed to what you could do, uh, I have a quiz on the website. You can yes. find it at sizzleforce.com forward slash quiz. Okay. And, uh, you know, it's going to take you about five minutes to complete it, but it will actually guide you through the process of knowing what stage of your marketing you're in okay. and what your next best move is going to be. Or if you're brand new, what your first best move is going to be. Okay. All right. And I actually just read a tip um, that you talked about in a uh, LinkedIn post, because I think you do really um, informative um, uh, action-taking LinkedIn posts, which I think are great. This one was about having a uh, shopping cart and people leaving um, before they buy something. And the percentage is quite high, I think you said in the post. And so one thing that you recommend is having a what's it called the page a cart abandonment sequence yeah where if somebody has started the process of checking out in an e-commerce capacity they've probably already entered their email address right but then they've left halfway because of whatever distracted them yes and then you send a a sequence of emails you know oops did you forget you know Depending on your brand tone, you can have a lot of fun with this. You can be real playful. Yes, I, I've experienced that with, um, I was buying some um, 
uh, supplements or something. And I went through part of it and then I got distracted and I wasn't sure I was going to buy them yet. And again, I started to get these emails from them saying, oops, did you leave without buying or whatever? Anyway, so yeah, it's like, but it can feel like Big Brother is watching and that feeling that sometimes I don't know. But anyway, it, another... well, it can, but the truth is Big Brother is watching. I know, I know. That's so, you know, I mean, Siri's been listening to this entire conversation. <laughs> so, that's right. That's right. Well, thank you again, Stephanie, for being my guest and for my um for my audience. I do hope that you enjoyed what Stephanie had to share with us today. And please, if you did, leave a review and let us know. And Again, remember to stay connected and be remembered. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. If this show has inspired you to reach out to connect to someone new or nurture a current or past relationship, and you think that others can benefit from listening, please share this episode. If you have feedback or questions about the episode, please leave a note in the comment sections below. If you would like to receive automatic updates of new podcast episodes, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Stitcher or from the podcast app on your mobile device. Ratings and reviews from my listeners are extremely valuable to me and greatly appreciated. They help the podcast rank higher on iTunes, which exposes my show to more awesome listeners like you. So if you have a minute, please leave an honest review on iTunes. And remember to stay connected and be remembered.